It's me, David Webb, and here's a highlight from today's show on Sirius XM Patriot. How do we restore faith in our election system? And there are a lot of angles to this. There's a lot to be fixed. Uh, there are not just from a legislative standpoint, but also technology. There's also our responsibility. Steve Smith, AFPI's chief of staff and director of the Center for New Frontiers, joins me. A new election transparency report. So let's uh, dive right in, Steve. Uh, this report, what does this report demonstrate? Hey, David. Um, thanks for having me. Um, really glad to be on the show. Yeah, so obviously with the last election and frankly in 2016, there was obviously a lot of distrust and um, how do you put it? it yeah, felt feeling of lack of transparency. There was a poll that was out there for both elections that 29% of voters thought the wrong person won. So there are clear concerns with ballots um, there were concerns that ballots were counted multiple times so that there could be more ballots cast than voters who voted. And there, uh, there were concerns that ballots were destroyed so that there could be more voters who voted than ballots cast. And so the goal of this report, which is 790 pages, you can go look at all the correspondence that we have, fully transparent. We looked at uh, whether the traditional 14 swing states, uh, Arizona, Colorado, Florida, Georgia, Iowa, Michigan, Minnesota, North Carolina, New Hampshire, in Mexico, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Virginia, and Wisconsin were following the Civil Rights Act of 1960, which uh, requires election officials uh, are required to retain records for 22 months. And uh, another section of that uh, states that you cannot alter, destroy, or manipulate these records. They have to stay intact for 22 months. So if researchers wanted to look at it, they could. Uh, and if we had this data from 2020 uh, general election, uh, we'd be able to determine whether the number of people who voted matched the number of ballots cast. Those numbers should be the same. Now, you would think that this would be easy and the total number of ballots cast would match the number of uh, uh, number of voters, right? Well, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, 94 out of the 100 counties that we contacted failed to provide uh, voter data for the 2020 general election. Why? Um, the question is, why didn't they? What were some of the reasons given? Yeah, well, that's a great question. Um, we we got um, probably about 20% uh, flat out denied our request or wouldn't respond back to us. And we would follow up with phone calls and emails to make sure that our emails were um, correct and they were going to the right uh, person. But the biggest finding that we found was that most counties only had, quote unquote, fluid or current data files meaning that they were updating their records when people moved or when people died. Um, so they would delete, imagine an Excel sheet, there, there are a number of different platforms that you could use, but imagine an Excel sheet, uh, just to simplify it, when somebody moved or died, they would just delete the row and then save over the file. What's the, and I don't know if this is a E easy thing to determine or come up with an average, but do you, do you find certain trends in the, discrepancy ratio to voters uh you know yeah. in some way yeah so um you know 94 uh, of the top populated counties in these swing states weren't retaining the records so unfortunately we weren't able to see discrepancies in those counties 
but the six counties that did retain the information, the average discrepancy rate uh, between voters and ballots cast was 2.89 percent. Um, for for reference, Miami-Dade, Florida, um, they just they were missing 12 percent of their precincts. But of the precincts that we looked at, omitting those. The discrepancy between the number of voters who voted and the number of ballots cast was 1.6%. Now, that would seem small to most people, but that translates to about 16,617 votes. And to give you perspective on the size of the gap, in 2018, Senator Rick Scott won the entire state of Florida by 10,000 votes. Now, the largest discrepancy that we found was Cobb County, Georgia, uh, which had a discrepancy of 8.8%. Uh, which equates to about 34,893 votes. Now, can you Why is Cobb County relevant? I uh, just want to throw that in there. What happened in Cobb County again last time around? It's certainly, Cobb County was extremely important. Um, again, these are the top counties that determine uh, basically how the state uh, votes. Um, and so, you know, the last election, the, the presidential um in the presidential race was determined by close to 11,000 votes. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but there's a discrepancy uh, of 34,893 votes. Uh, yes, sir. And uh, we followed up multiple times with the county. You can see it in the back of the report at uh, AmericaFirstPolicy.com. It's on the front page. You can just click on the report down below. Uh, we have the full correspondence. We asked multiple times, is this the information from November 3rd, 2020? And they said, correct. Um, so we asked multiple times um, on, on that. Um, but going forward, um, you know, what, what basically happened in 1960, these records would be printed and put in a filing cabinet. And now we don't know how people voted. And in most counties, what tends to happen with discrepancies is if there's more voters than votes being aka votes could be destroyed or if there are more votes than voters meaning you're stuffing ballots or something like that uh, on the precinct level they would just kind of even those out so plus and minuses to give you kind of the end number what we did with those 34,000 and the 16,000 uh just for those two counties as an example we stacked those and that's how how it should be done um, we hired a PhD economist to look into this. Um, so uh, the staff that we have, there are no, there should be no confusion to, uh, at all on that. Uh, but if we have proper enforcement of the Civil Rights Act in 1960 uh, for data retention requirements, that will really significantly help restore confidence in our electoral system. Uh, because in the, the next election, which we plan to, to go back into this report again, uh, basically for the first time in human history, uh, thanks to the findings of this report in the digital era, uh, if voter records are properly retained, researchers will, like ourselves will be able to quickly and clearly see if there's unlaw- unlawful activity happening down to the local level. And if it is, uh, before the cert- uh, sorry, cert- cert- I can't even talk. Uh, cert- I can't talk. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, I've known you a long time. This might be a first. No, I, I, with, uh, I get it. I get it. I get it, Steve. No, look, I, I, all of what you're saying in data retention laws and whatever, then I come down to who's responsible when they violate the laws because there, there seems to be a, a, a clog jam there, whether it's state board of elections or whatever stat, you know, structure, right? Secretary of elections, secretary of state, depending on the state. 
and where there are where there's anything that can go before the FEC, well, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe the FEC doesn't even have a fully seated board at this time. So even if you were to come up with something, how do you get some legal action? Yeah, this is a really difficult thing. Well, one, the law exists. There were uh, legal scholars who came to us and said, hey, uh, this isn't accurate. Well, the law still exists. It's still in place. The Civil Rights Act of 1960, Title III, uh, Section 301, Section 302. Um, uh, the only people who can enforce this law, it's a federal law, is the DOJ, uh, federal prosecutors that are in the area there, and uh, the FBI. Now, uh, amazingly, we have some amazing members of Congress, uh, Congresswoman Tinney and the Election Integrity Caucus in Congress, after our report, sent a letter to the DOJ to enforce this law in 2020. And uh, Secretary Frank LaRose and uh, Secretary Mac Warner from uh, Ohio and West Virginia, respectively, uh, are leading a charge with secretaries. Uh, I think they have about 12 secretaries of state that have signed this letter so far that would basically encourage their state legislatures to uh, have this law on the books for them for their states so that they can enforce at a state level. What are some of the steps that I don't know if I want to say anyone, but people can either, besides what you're discussing, not only pay attention to, but take. And it could be as simple as what can you do to clean yourself up uh, with the voter roll? I'll give you an example using myself. I'm no longer a New Jersey resident, but yet I'm, you know, and I've reported that I've left. I have called my local elections board, literally, and I, you know, removing myself from the system, but yet still getting sample ballots. Right. So, you know, elections can be sort of complicated. We obviously want to require voters to have photo ID. We want to clean up the voter rolls before every election. We want to have ballots. Uh, return on election day, eliminate ballot harvesting. Um, So for your example, because of this digital era that we live in, there's a lot, um, there's, it's two-sided, right? There's accessibility and convenience. And these local election officials basically are cleaning these roles out because they're hearing it from both sides of the aisle. That's great. We should absolutely have that. And there are mechanisms that are being put in place on the statewide level that secretaries of states have opted into Um, where they can have that transparency. Uh, But we also have to retain the voter records for this. And and for this report, if we can do that, we can actually see, we can't see how you voted, but we can see if uh, an alias of you uh, at the same address that you lived in that is now a parking lot, we'll be able to see if if those folks voted and then we'll be able to clean up um, the system from, from the back end. There's going to be a lot more cleanup needed down the road, and uh, hopefully this report and a lot of other efforts at AFPI that have been underway for some time and, other, frankly, every other organization involved in this. This, this, this has to be a, you know, well, it's an all-state, we'll throw in the territories too, it has to be also a multi-organization approach. And, and, you know, Steve, there needs to be coordination. There are different efforts, legislative efforts, legal efforts. You think of uh, Public Interest Legal Foundation, they filed suit on voter roll cleanup in Pennsylvania and actually won the suit. 
and then actually had to put up the money to do the cleanup because the state said, yeah, we don't have the money to do that. It's not in the budget. So you're up against all of these ways to block the cleanup. So, yeah, I, I got it. Um, PILF has done an incredible job. There are other organizations like Vote Rep, uh, the Voter Rep, uh, Reference Foundation. Uh, we are all working together. Um, we're very uh, collaborative. Um, which is great. I, I don't think I, I saw that in the conservative movement even just five to ten years ago. Um, and, and that just goes to the leadership of, of folks in these organizations. Uh, it is very expensive um, for, for organizations to do this. I think with this report, that's why it hasn't been done before, because it is extremely expensive just to re- get these records and hire folks to review them, which takes weeks to do. Um, but uh, we going forward, um, we will uh, in the 2020 general election, 2022 general election, we're coming back to these 100 counties. We're going to ask for their data again. We're going to do an analysis and then we'll work with our partners at PILF and uh, Vote Ref Foundation and Heritage and uh, Honest Elections. And uh, then we'll go to action and uh, work with federal prosecutors and uh, state and local officials so that. We get these discrepancies down to zero and uh, going forward have clean and fair elections. There you go. And Missoula, Montana, better pay elect, pay attention. They didn't turn out uh, too well at all. Uh, they're a bad example uh, in this report. Steve, always a pleasure, my friend. Good to hear from you. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Steve Smith, AFPI's chief of staff and director of the Center for New Frontiers, the election transparency report i'll uh put the link up on my social media at david web show you can join me live on the david web show monday to friday nine to noon east on sirius xm patriot 125